Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast, where we discuss masculinity more intentionally and purposely. On this episode, Ahmed and I go deeper into our conversations about uh, male communities, letting out our emotions, how men and women need to both grow in our emotion sharing, the polarity of masculinity and femininity, femininity between uh, two partners, how men can find their purpose, pornography, male addiction, and the need for more male mentors in our in our lives. So Ahmed, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Ahmed. I'm 25 years old. I'm a man. I personally feel very passionate about when it comes to a lot of, I guess, societal expectations. And I'm on a journey of learning more about myself and the expectations that are held on me to try to create, I guess, a better and stronger and healthier community. So I'm trying to learn and also give back to the two cents that I know. So I'm quite excited to be here. I think what you're doing, Luke, and what you're talking about in these podcasts are so important and so needed. So I'm really honored to be here. Yeah, and I'm super excited to have you. Uh, I guess a little bit of background on on how we met. Funny enough, it was through the Jubilee Good Humans Facebook group. You know, I think what first happened was either you made a post or you made a post in the group introducing yourself. I think I saw you from the GTA. I commented on it and reached out being like, yo, let's meet up sometime. And then within the first... And then I think I, I later messaged you. Yeah. I DM'd you. And then... Uh, we met at the chapters. Right. Over at Woodbine and Highway 7. Right. We talked for like, I swear, two hours. Yeah. Like very easily two hours. It was an intense conversation yeah. too about like everything. For the first time meeting, it was very intense conversation. I think we talked about... A lot of it was about masculinity. There was religion. Um, there was, I think, pornography in there as well, even though it was just the first time we ever met. Politics. Yeah, politics. And then we also met up another time with uh, another guy from the group, Musa, Musa yeah. who's actually traveling, I think, in Sri Lanka right now, or Pakistan. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. So when he comes back, he'll be on the podcast too. But uh, you were just actually in LA for a conference. Mm. You met people from Jubilee, uh, including Jason, and, and you did a, a kind of tour of their office, which was really cool. But definitely wanted to kind of go over the reason you were in LA in the first place. Right, right. So there's this guy by the name of Preston Smiles, and he's somebody I've been following on Instagram for the past year or so. I had a friend that attended his conference uh, in Toronto when he held it. And this one was meant for men and women, but a new conference that he's starting to have, and he's held it a few times, is meant exclusively just for men. This is the third one I think he had, and it was definitely an eye-opening experience for myself. I gained quite a bit of... I feel like I genuinely learned a lot mm-hmm. through this experience. And so in that conference that was just for men, kind of what were some of the themes that you pulled away from it? And I guess before you answer that, you know, is there still a need for all male communities? So I just realized I didn't even say the name of this conference. It's called Conscious Man Brotherhood. And I think when I'll be talking about the content of the conference, a lot of the th- content has to do with that title, mm-hmm. Conscious Man Brotherhood. That's the main vision. They wanted to create men that are more conscious rather than falling into such bad 
and unhealthy habits. Mm -hmm. In regards to your question, you had asked what had happened in the conference and also if there is a need for all male communities. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Correct. So how about I'll answer the second question first? Yeah. Because uh, I, I think they relate. One of the biggest lessons I learned, I'd say took away three big lessons from it. And one of them was the importance of having communities specifically for each gender, uh, safe places. So, and specifically from my experience, what I experienced was for men, you know, having a healthy place with just men to be able to let out my emotions, what a variety of different emotions, whether that be sadness, anger, anything, excitement, mm -hmm. having a healthy place to let all that out with men in a circle is so healthy and needed. And you can, if you think about it, it dates back to look at our ancestors and the way they used to be and how they'd form tribes. It's something that is part of us, I believe, and it is so needed to have. I have, I guess, a group of guy friends that we keep one another accountable and we let out our emotions. And for the past six months, we meet almost like once a week mm -hmm. and we just share, uh, create that safe place. And it personally has helped me out so much. But the intensity at this conference that I experienced was 10 times more uh, because I saw so much raw emotions. Uh, and I personally probably opened up about every experience in my life. And I'm mm -hmm. somebody that has attended therapy in the past, mm -hmm. but I was able to open up about everything in my life for the first time at this conference, even though I've attended therapy, mm -hmm. because I felt comfortable. I felt safe being able to share that with other people who can relate to my own experiences. I got a huge sense of empathy that I've never received before. And it got me to realize that this isn't just important for men, but women also need this too, for to gather with other women too. Being around people who understand us in the same gender is, I think, crucial for all of us. So it kind of like, you know, I've talked about it on before on this podcast is like, you know, with church, I think church is outdated, but I think it's still a great place for men to come together. There's men's groups in, in those um, communities that are helpful. And I think one of the things that we've lost in a generation now that, you know, lives a lot on their own in isolation through their phones or through their own computers and, and whatnot, everything's designed for us to kind of remove ourselves from a group society. That's been one of the overall overarching themes to me about why maybe we have such a bigger sense of lack of like trust in humans or a lack of like we all kind of think humans are out to get each other nowadays um, and I think part of that is because we don't really have those communities anymore so even though I don't really like religion I like the community that it built so there's themes within these greater organizations and institutions that I don't agree with but I think you know in terms of belonging in a community I think that's always been wonderful and which is why you know growing up I didn't really have a, have a real guy group until recently in the last three or four years where a lot of the high school guys I, I am friends with now we are a real community of, of of young men and we really try to keep each other accountable and so I think one of the things that I sometimes hear from people when it comes to this podcast and I talk about how it's a it's a discussion for masculinity and manhood um, has been around the idea that women don't feel comfortable 
sometimes hearing about these top- topics or don't feel very included in it by me. And like, like I definitely want to include women in the conversation. I definitely want to have women on in the future. But one thing I struggle with is, you know, I think the woman has to come with more of a story and more of a reason than a guy has to. Like, I feel like I can talk to any guy on this podcast because I think they're, the themes are all there. I can pull that out of them. But I think with women, they have to have like very specific stories and reasons but for, for kind of coming and being here. So when you were talking beforehand about, you know, having that community of all men and how that's necessary, I, I totally, totally agree. And I think if we want to have a, a world of healthy men who are forward and conscious, men need to be the leaders in getting men to be that way, which is why I think I want to do this podcast and, and talk to a lot of men because it just doesn't, like, you know, when you have those friends and it might be a girlfriend who might call it some behavior, but it hits different when it comes from um, a guy or, you know, it's a, it's a casual friend. So you're like, I don't really trust their opinion. They don't really know who I am. But when it comes from your best friend, they're like, holy shit, maybe I have, I actually have to change my behavior. And I think that kind of goes the same way with how we kind of diminish other people's opinions. But if it comes from another man about our manhood, we feel more enhanced to change. I think women are definitely a step ahead of us when it comes to that. And we can learn so much from us to how they've created their own, I guess, many communities. A lot, I don't know about you, but a lot of my female friends, they have their own circles and groups that they trust so much with one another. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that as much with, with males. Mm-hmm. So what I'm wondering, though, just out of curiosity, for you, you said you have that group of high school friends that you guys keep one another accountable. You guys... I guess, share one another's emotions. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like when it comes to your role models, do you feel like you have enough healthy male role models for you? This is interesting. I I would say no. I would say, well, you know, going back to the church, I had some youth pastors that I, that I had, but both of them failed in the, in the proverbial sense as, as men, you know, they, they, I won't go into too much of their personal details, um, but they just, I looked up to them and they both let me down in, in catastrophic ways through their own personal life. And I, I have a, no blame on them for kind of the things that transpired, I guess, in their life because it's, it's stuff that happens quite a lot. But to me to look up to them and then feel the pain of them letting me down was hard. So a lot of my male role models, like, you know, I have my dad, but my dad's really the main one. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that you never... Sometimes, well, sometimes you don't feel comfortable going to your dad with everything. And like, that's an unfortunate thing that I feel like a lot of young guys feel is that it's sometimes easier to go to those outside mentors because depending on how you grew up, there might be more shame or guilt if you go to your parents or versus some stranger. And so I would say to answer your question briefly, no, I didn't have enough real role models. I've struggled to actively seek them out um, now that I've realized I don't have enough male role models. And three, I haven't done enough in my personal life with my dad to make him my main mentor. And I haven't been open enough with him to share everything I've wanted to share, but don't feel like I can sometimes. And like, that's not on him. To me, that's fully on me. But there's there's three things I'm aware of and three things I haven't taken action towards, which is obviously on me too. What I'm wondering though, when you said uh, your pastors, I'm quite curious, can you... How do you mean they failed you? So, you know, when you, you have youth pastors and there's always this sense in the church that, I guess, people in leadership positions can't be flawed, um, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But, you know, one of them was unfaithful in a marriage. 
and the other one had his own failures in his marriage and kind of was checked out for two or three years um, in my main growth development stages of my of my young childhood from like grade nine to grade 12. And so in those, like they were still there, but they weren't present in a, in a like a, I'm here to mentor you and serve you kind of way that youth pastors are kind of expected to be, I guess. And so in that sense, it was, it was like I was showing up, but not to have the discussions that I needed to have. So, so you really struggled looking up to them for, I guess, their personal experiences mm-hmm. in their life. You didn't seem like they were good enough role models. It seemed mm-hmm. as though they're telling you things that they're not even following themselves. Correct. Yeah. Like that is a part of it. And then also just like, I didn't feel safe talking to them about it because I didn't feel like they cared enough. But that's something that you kind of took out of your conference, correct? I, I did. And I think that's a huge reason as to why I attended. Uh, because Preston, the guy that ran the conference, is somebody, he's 39, but he, I really look up to him. Mm-hmm. And that's something I didn't have a lot growing up. Because we're, you and I were just talking about this earlier, but I don't, in school, elementary school specifically, they need more male role models, male, more male teachers. So when we're kids and we see that there's not enough male teachers, our fathers are working when they come home, uh, when we come home, and there just isn't that many in our community. Who are we going to look up to? We're going to look, go online, go on social media, and we're going to see very quote unquote unhealthy. Mm-hmm male role models, the ones true masculinity becomes in our minds that this guy that's super rich, that gets all the girls, but has no vision, no purpose in his life. And that's something that I personally really struggled with because I don't look, mm-hmm. I struggled looking up to these guys growing up, but I couldn't find any guy that has, is like a big dreamer, you know, like I'm, as a kid, I had a huge imagination. I was a big dreamer, but I didn't see many of many older males that were family men and also super confident and also had huge dreams for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's needed because the ones that are super confident are usually the ones that are super rich and get a lot of uh, girls. Mm-hmm. And that's just not something that I look up to. Mm-hmm. And so I been on a search to find more of that, whether that be online, through conferences, just through everyday experiences, you know, asking myself, who do I look up to? Who do I want to be like? I mean, I look up to my dad in a lot of ways, but there's things that I just can't relate where Mm -hmm. we're different in that sense. So finding Preston online and getting to meet him and even seeing the other males there, although there's things I may not relate and agree with them on, Mm -hmm. but it really, I feel, made a huge impact on me personally. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, I think in different aspects of your life, you need different mentors. Like, you know, I, I talked to a guy who said he has like board of directors basically for his life and they all give advice on different things. But uh, that's something I, yeah, like I've never really, like, I, I want to start doing it more. And that that's like, I've, it's, it's sad almost that a lot of male role models are famous, almost out of reach people that don't like, you know, Kobe Bryant, we talked about him before too. The amount of young men who posted about him and talked about how active of a role model he was in their life without having any real contact with him was phenomenal. But what would a Kobe type personality be like 
in their own life if they knew them personally? Like how much further could that person have been pushed? And I think that's something that a lot of young guys or young men seem to be missing as well is like that that role model who dreams and shows them what's attainable in their own life and they have actually a personal connection with. And so through this podcast, I've met to, got to meet a lot of guys who are doing really cool things and showing me what's possible. It's like we hold each other accountable from afar, but they're always someone I can reach out to as well. And I think that has been like the coolest part because now I'm in touch with some really interesting people through them showing me what's possible and I'm close to them. So like, you know, Kobe to me couldn't really show me what's attainable because he's so distant from my connection. But someone who's in my life who is meeting really cool people, I know too, I can now see that someone who was just as normal as me could be that. But with Kobe, it's like, I never saw what he used to be, so I only see him as a hero. But with my friends, it's like I saw them what they once were, and now they're reaching unattainable what I thought was unattainable in my own head. And now that's I see that that's possible. And Trevor Noah talks about it in his life in his book too, because his mom used to take him around to different communities and show him what what could be possible. And it was through that that now he feels like he has his fame because his mom opened up his his eyes as to what he could attain to be if that makes any sense yeah it, it makes sense because these people that you look up to in your community now you see their footsteps you see the path that they were on mm-hmm. but the bigger names you don't see their footsteps you just see them from a complete distance and you think that's it's so far that we can't get there mm-hmm. and i definitely think it it's so needed and powerful. Uh, you know, we're talking about this. We talked about a lot earlier, mm-hmm. but when we don't have these male role models in our life, when we don't have these male communities, we're going to, one, look up to the wrong people, but we're also going to fall into the habit of bad habits, mm. whether that be drugs, pornography, social media, or even very unhealthy male communities. I, I know a lot of people from my high school I'd say a few, actually not a lot, but who ended up maybe making some very bad decisions that landed them in jail. Mm-hmm. And it took me by shock because they were the nicest, great, great guys. Mm-hmm. But they ended up just falling trapped to bad communities because we're looking for a place to that just accepts us. Mm-hmm. We're going to fall into these unhealthy ways. Um, yeah, we, we like kind of like a relapse. And before that, you were talking about purpose. And something I thought you said that was pretty profound is men know what we want. And when you said that, I thought men know what we want, but we don't know what we need. And what we need is those communities. What we need is that purpose. What we need is to figure it out. And I'm not sure if you meant to like connect those dots, but when you said that, I'm like, oh my goodness, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then because of that, we do relapse into those other things. Like something that I have, I would say is, I like to eat a lot. And so sometimes when I'm feeling down, I like to eat. And then that is like, and it's normally unhealthy foods. Like I like healthy foods, but I eat a lot of like sugary snacks and all that. And so like that's something I suffer with uh, in terms of like binge eating and and whatnot. And then also definitely um, pornography would be another one as well. Um, And I hate it, but it's something that's just so easy to make yourself feel better. And like, it doesn't make sense and it sucks. And even if it's not just like pornography, whether it's, you know, using Tinder as an addiction to make yourself feel better or boost your ego, anything like that. It's so easy, almost on-demand satisfaction. It's a way to just cope, and it's not the best way. So I've deleted all my dating apps, mainly because I like the energy. I actually like the pursuance of 
a girl in my life. Like I'd rather do that and make it like, I'd like to build up kind of the idea of seeing someone or the idea of actually thinking of someone as my my girlfriend or, or, you know, making in the effort, getting to know them on a, on a deeper level rather than just making it easy and swiping right and then being able to say whatever funny pickup line. Like I like, I almost like the embarrassment of asking out a girl in public. Like I get, I'm more intrigued. I always tell people I'd be way more likely to like someone who I, I've seen in public and like date them than to go on like a date with a Tinder girl. Like I'd always choose embarrassing myself, making the chase over, over a Tinder date. But it's not something I put the work into, but now I've decided that I'm going to put more work into it. Yeah, because on Tinder and even on Instagram and meeting people online, it's it's hard in a sense where you just it's hard to see them as other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it just becomes like people that try to fill in voids and boost our egos in a lot of ways. It's or, like too manufactured. What do you mean by that? Sorry. Like, so when you go on a first date with someone on Tinder, all manufactured, it's right, like too right. manufactured. Yeah, it is. Like the environment is not, it's not real. It's not real. So I'd rather see someone on the, on like the TTC and be like, okay, or, or in a, at a public event be like, that girl's really attractive. Let me go talk to her rather than go on t- line, text, 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 meet up. And it seems too fabricated. Don't get it wrong. I still know friends that. Oh, I, I do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have in healthy relationships yeah. after, and like great relationships. I think one is about to get married now, and they yeah. met on Tinder. Maybe we're just thinking that because we haven't met. Yeah. Uh, uh, that one yet. Like great, a great relationship on Tinder. So, but regardless, it's still. It's a trap almost, you know, and it's like when we do feel sad, when we do feel angry and everything's tied into one another because as men, we, it's hard to let out our emotions. We don't have many opportunities to figure out, recognize, and then talk about our emotions. So when we have all these pent up emotions, we're going to find some sort of outlet and whether it be Tinder, social media, like what I mentioned before, pornography and drugs, like it's so much or almost so much more susceptible to get addicted to these things compared to women, I feel. Don't get it wrong. I still feel like a woman, they need to, they also, there's so much more potential for them, for everybody in this world to improve on recognizing, understanding their emotions. But as men, we're not as good as it, mm-hmm. at it. And we're just falling into these traps over and over again. And do you, so one of my, my hypotheses on life is that mas- healthy masculinity lies in the balance of like anger and shame and how you cope with both of those things. Cause I think when, when we feel shame, we get angry. So like, you know, when you have an addiction to drugs or abuse or sorry, to drug abuse or uh, like pornography or, or something like that, um, we feel a lot of shame about it. And then we get, when we get challenged, we feel angry. And I think like the, the healthy balance is kind of between those, those two things you talked about earlier at the conference, this idea of letting out different emotions. One of them was being anger. And I wanted you to kind of go into that a bit. Yeah. I definitely think that's a big one that I've always struggled with because I'd always say, you know, I'm a very chill guy. I just don't get angry. That's not true. There's things that I'm, when I'm hurt by something, I may not let it out. And I may not, whether it be, if even if I do show my frustration to somebody, I'd try to hold it in take some time and then set my boundaries with that person rather than just completely letting everything out. And something that I realized at this conference is that I need to find outlets to just 
rage almost. Healthy outlets to just let out every single bit of my anger. Uh, and something that I started doing after I came back from this conference is actually a few days ago, a friend and I, we went to a rage room and I just let out everything. And it felt amazing afterwards. Sorry, what's a rage room? A rage room is a place where it's like this, it's almost like a room that we're in, except the walls are thicker. Like soundproof almost? Soundproof, and you're wearing these suits. They give you a bunch of glass stuff or printers and whatnot. They give you bats and you just rage in the room. So it, there's no better way, I think, just to completely let out every single bit of it out. Mm -hmm. Don't get wrong, maybe for me, maybe there's other ways for other people. And it, for me, it's important because I've completely avoided letting out my anger. So I need to find a way to just let everything out. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in the moment, that's not how I want to react with people. But just finding a way to just let out that core within me that needs to just scream. When I want to scream, I'm going to let myself scream now. Not in public, but find a way to do that. I, I think that's really powerful too, because, you know, I don't think I'm an angry person either, but I also think I am. Like, in my head, I have a lot of anger. Outwardly, I'm a very gentle person, but there's things that make me frustrated that, and I think a lot of this comes from my dad because my dad's not really an angry person, but you see it like kind of build and build and build until one point, one moment there's like a breaking point and then it's like you just don't want to be around that. So my dad's the most patient man and then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, I set him off because I said something probably rude or someone said something that, that kind of set him off a bit more. He's been way better with that over the last five, 10 years, I'd say. Like it was never really super bad, but I think I'm the same way I've learned to be angry in the same way. I keep it kind of in my head and I get super frustrated with it. And then I take it out in different places. So one would be walking like I or driving. I hate when people are like in my way. I, and this is something that I think is just like, I'm not like, I'm also like claustrophobic in a, in a way. Like I hate when my movements are being restricted. I don't have that kind of patience when people are in front of me walking slow and I have no way around them. I hate when people are, are driving slow and I have no way around them because I feel like I'm being limited. And like, that's a thing that I have a lot of anger towards. And I never really let out my anger in healthy ways. Or it's like, you know, I have a friend that said something that kind of set me off and, and my anger that I let out isn't healthy because I kind of keep it in my head. I might say something like more passive aggressive rather than just being like, okay, this is a flaw of me. And so... Sometimes I think I suffer with not like anger management problems, but I don't feel safe letting out my anger. Right, right. I can definitely relate to that because I know I'm somebody that has arguments with myself <laughs> in the shower, uh, you know, just completely, you know what I mean by that, but just like when I'm on my own sometimes I'm just ruminating and frustrated and having like almost like imaginary arguments with people that I'm frustrated with and even though like they're way in my past and I've completely may have kicked them out of my life. Some people I just feel completely frustrated toward still. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed whenever I have found ways to just let out my anger, whether that be through sports or in any sort of way, I feel good. I don't think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I've talked about maybe these things, finding a way to just let it out the rumination just disappears. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just part of being human. We need to find a way to just, ex it's a 
emotion that demands to be expressed. That's a good way of putting it. I think yeah. it demands to be expressed. I think that's a lot of emotion too. Like with, with I think one of my problems with toxic masculinity and the, and the framing behind it is, you know, there's a lot of guilt about uh, men kind of being angry and there's a lot of women or a lot of people wanting men to cry more and, and be sad more. But I think all of those ideas make what is a man and there's obviously healthy ways of of releasing them in unhealthy ways so going to a rage room is healthier than taking it out on your partner or a kid or anything like that right and so the emotions that we feel i don't think themselves are toxic it's just the way we express them and it's that part that has to be learned and taught it's almost as though there's like toxic guilt and there's toxic shame because they mm -hmm. just don't find a healthy way to express it. Mm -hmm. Because we're taught to be, as men, stoic, mm -hmm. you know, just completely unfazed by anything, which isn't the case. Yeah. We're but human. I, which, which I thought was pretty interesting when you talked about polarity in a, in a relationship um, because you, you kind of talked about how every relationship needs a masculine and a feminine. And I kind of want to know what that looks like to you. Right. So... And this is just, I guess, my personal opinion. Uh, but I do feel that every relationship needs a polarity with a masculine and a feminine. And whether that be in same gender relationships or even if the roles are reversed as to who has the masculine, who has the feminine, I do feel that each relationship needs one of either. And I, the way that we can look at it is almost like a, any team that we're on. Imagine a team with everybody having the same exact position and the same exact roles. There isn't as much synergy, but when we each have different roles, it's different. And when I say roles, I don't mean just house duties or even oh, this person's working, this person's in the home. That's not what I mean. What I mean by that is more about personality roles and I think there's different different personalities when it comes to the masculine and when it comes to the feminine if you're gonna ask me like to elaborate on each I still don't understand it that well I think it's something that I'm trying to learn and understand more and which is why I want to go on more of a spiritually deep journey because I feel like a lot of people who are more spiritual I feel that's something that they really vibe with that's something that they really believe in mm -hmm. and so I want to do more research and meet more people who have that mentality so I can learn more from them. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. And something that kind of has always annoyed me about the whole masculine and feminine argument is that, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I think the, the idea of men, like I think stoicism is still a highly revered and lovable trait about men from the women perspective, you know, being grounded in times of, of high emotional stress and being that rock of the family in a lot of ways in times of need. Like I hear that a lot from like women don't want weak men, but what does weakness look like? That's different to each woman and, and man. And so a lot of those ideas of masculinity or femininity, you know, for me, I see myself more feminine than a lot of guys but I still think I have masculine traits as well. And I, I always, I thought your comparison of that polarity was interesting because I always find that my mom has a lot of masculine traits that my dad doesn't. And my dad has a lot of 
masculine traits that my mom doesn't and they do have that polarity and that like my dad is both very masculine and very feminine in that he's very loving and patient and, and genuine and authentic and my mom is hardworking, determined, no one get in my way kind of attitude. And that kind of, it complements each other in a lot of ways. Um, and that's something I've only realized over the last few years as well. And I thought that polarity is interesting, but also women still want a stoic, grounded, emotionally focused, rock of the family kind of mentality. I think it, I wouldn't just say, it's just my opinion, I wouldn't just say woman. I think more women who lean toward the feminine side. Mm. Because they're looking for, I guess, that polarity. And I think when they do say that rock, I think there's so much more to that too. Mm-hmm. And I think that somebody who, I guess, really knows what they want and their purpose. And, but at the same time, like, feels emotions, but also isn't like this ball of energy with their emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, really is grounded with them and understands them. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Like, if, if you know what your strengths are, you play to your strengths. Kind of like that. And if you know what your weaknesses are, you hire someone to fill those deep weaknesses. Kind of like in a business. Like, to me, marriage is kind of like a business, but there's no real profit. But more than that, it's just, you have to work at it a lot. But it's a, it's a very huge topic that I feel like we don't, not a lot of people understand, and I don't understand for sure. Mm-hmm. People I feel like I really look up to who have it, who understand the best, is very spiritual hippies. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed like a theme because they have the they call it the divine masculine and the divine feminine, and I definitely feel like they're going to be the best teachers in my life for that. I'm not saying I'm just going to move and be a hippie, uh, although I have considered it. But I'd love to learn more about it and their approach and try to bring it into my own personal life. Because when I think about the way society views how relationships should work and what should be is now, I don't think we get it mm-hmm. yet. Uh, and I think they do. So I know this library is about to close soon, but I always have three last questions for my uh, guest. What is one thing your father told you that you use in your life? What is one thing you wish your father told you? And then the third one is, what is one thing you're going to pass on to those you love or your future children, should you choose to have? One thing that my father taught me and that he told me was to always learn, you know, Uh, maybe his approach of learning is try to find as many ways to learn random skills because like you never know when you'll need them in your life and I think that is so important not when it comes to random skills but just finding people to learn from Mm. you know and I think that's something that I want to always do to constantly be the student in my life and that's actually my Instagram bio always the student never the master because I just want to constantly learn from people and find ways to learn. The second question you asked, what's something that I wish my father had told me? I, I, I definitely say to talk about things more, you know, being more open and creating a opportunity to share so much more rather than just holding it in. And I'd say my dad, he's very disciplined. He used to be part of the army. And as I see, and I really look up to him on his habits and whatnot. I've really carried that through to me. But in regards to when he is feeling stressed or whatnot, I definitely want to be able to share and talk more. That way I can bounce back 
quicker. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something I really want to do that I wish he told me. Once one thing that I w I'm going to carry on to my kids, I definitely say the same thing as number one, is to constantly be the student in your life. Mm -hmm. We really almost are offended by authority, people who know more about us. A lot of teachers in my life, I really didn't like growing up. So it almost turned me off from people that think they know more than me or that, that do know more than me in topics. Mm -hmm. I realize it's so important to have so many teachers who can constantly guide us to the people that we want to be, to the man that I want to be, to the, whether it's a girl, to the woman that she wants to be, you know, and I definitely think finding healthy role models and trying to learn from them is one of the most important things I want to pass on to my child. That's interesting. I think you're the first guest I've had that used one for three. So like the thing that you learn from your father to pass on for, to your kids. I don't know if, if my other guests don't know that that's an option. One for the three. Okay. So yeah. So you yeah, said yeah. what your father taught you is something that you want to pass on to your future kids. You're the first person that used the answer from what their dad taught them to what they want to pass on to their kids. I say there's overlaps and it's not mm -hmm. exactly it, but I'd say definitely it's very similar. Yeah. 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 So I, I thought that was really interesting to, to, to see. You can find this, sorry, you can listen to this episode on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere podcasts are available. Please leave a review on iTunes. Uh, I had a friend from work leave an awesome one yesterday. Try to beat her in, in terms of quality. That's a challenge to all of you. If you want to be on the show or have any topic ideas, message me on the IG at The Imperfect Pod. And with this new equipment, I hope to bring even better content to you uh, and continue to try to grow the podcast. I know I've been absent the last couple of weeks, but I have more people in the pipeline and I'm really excited about who I'm bringing on in the future. We now have video and I definitely want to make more content. So Ahmed, thank you so much for being here and uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode.